0: Welcome to this week's edition of Debriefing the Law. I am Joel Oster from our studios here in Kansas City. I am Chris Marone from my corner office in Phoenix, Arizona. And Chris, so far we've been doing this. I'm going to guess t- ten weeks since we're now on week eleven. And yeah. when it comes to locations, I believe you are uh, ten to zero against me. Actually, no, I won a couple. I was on, I was on the <laughs> ocean a couple of those weeks. You Outside were. of that.
1: I very much love your location. Well, uh, one hey, week I was in DC, so I had the okay. DC week in there, which you definitely beat me because DC is not the place I like to be. You went to go see your buddy Biden. Uh, I, I do did. believe that uh, DC
0: is a great place to be when the tree, one the cherry blossom trees. Oh, the start cherry blossoms blossoming? are gorgeous. Yes, absolutely. Did you know this? And you might have known this, but if Southwest and all the airlines know when that week is and the flights are a lot more expensive. They jack up the air flights to DC right around that two to three week span. So if you want to go see those cherry blossoms, you're going to have to pay a pretty penny. Uh But Hey, you know what? It's a, uh, it, it's been a fun week this
1: week. How's your week been? I been long. I spent three days in Los Angeles and I can honestly tell you, I have never been on a flight with more rude people. Really? Than flying from Phoenix to LA. Now Absolutely that flight, why are you flying?
0: People. First of all, why are you flying to LA? Isn't that like a four-hour drive? It's a seven-hour drive,
1: and okay. um, so much that I don't want to make the drive back. The drive there is fine, but it's after a long day of meeting with firms and talking with people and and you know saying hi to everyone. It's that seven-hour drive, six and a half, seven-hour drive home from I LA see. that gets me. I would rather take the fifty-minute flight.
0: That, that makes sense yeah do, do
1: they actually even serve you some kind of snacks on the way you actually like by the time you get a soda they're like all right we've started our descent into Phoenix the flight attendants please lock up and ready to land this right plane. right right it's right. like they just ha- they don't even give you a cup of ice they just hand you the unop- the unopened can of soda and say enjoy this on the ground
0: I just got an offer to do my comedy bit in San Francisco in May. And I I can tell you, I'm very, they want me to do it live and I'm very tempted. I want to go out there to San Francisco. Uh, I'm really excited about it. And so hopefully that will come to fruition. I had a great week. I went down to Oklahoma, Texas border and played golf. And so, Hey, I'm turning 50 here pretty soon. In fact, next week I'll be turning 50. And my friend also is turning 50. And so we decided Mm -hmm. let's just hit the road and let's play golf. The problem is here in Kansas city, it was like 19 degrees We're not going to play golf here in Kansas City. So we went down to the Oklahoma-Texas border, played a couple really nice golf courses, and unfortunately, I had to get back to work. And so that's what we're doing here. A lot of good stuff, though, to talk about this week. A lot that happened in the area of law and sports. We're going to talk about the Rittenhouse trial here that's dominated the airwaves. We're also going to talk about a loss. We do this courtroom quarterback session. Some weeks, it's a hit. Some weeks it is a miss because not every week do we have great legal news when it comes to sports. This right. week we have a <laughs> grand slam, oh a home run, a slam dunk, whatever sports metaphor you want to use. But John Gruden has sued Roger Goodell, and I could not be giddier. And so we're going to talk about that case. And then, lastly, of course, we're going to reach out, shout out to the kiddos there. We're going to do our gambling picks this week and That's right. uh, see how I am doing. See how you are doing. I do believe Vegas is starting to call me. They've recognized <laughs> I'm onto something here. I got a 34 and 17 record making money, but you, well, we're going to hold off on that until we get to our actual pick. <laughs> it's for the uh, kids. I, it's yeah, for yeah, the kids. Exactly. You, you don't want to send a false positive message to the kids. Hey, this is the danger of gambling. Look what I am doing. Don't look what Joel is doing over there. I want to That's tell right. my, actually, I got a call this last week from one of my friends saying, Joel, give me your college picks. I want to go ahead and bet money based upon your picks. I don't know. That, nope. that made me a little bit Hard nervous. No. Hard no. <laughs> you wouldn't do it? Not even a little bit. Oh man, I was nervous. So I, I just told him I wasn't at home. I said, you know what, I forgot what my picks were. And then I said, why don't you listen to my podcast? And you would have there known them, you, you supposedly good friend. But nonetheless, you might be listening this week, so I shouldn't say that. Uh, but nonetheless, <laughs> um, yeah, it's a, a, a lot of fun. All right, well, let's just dig right in here to the Written House trial because wow. the Written House trial has dominated the uh, the talks. Has uh, dominated Fox News. In fact, Everything- we every. Let's just set this up for our listeners. It is Thursday afternoon, I believe, 3.30 Kansas City time, which means for some reason in Arizona, it's 2.30 for the world out there. Arizona is crazy. Half of the year, they are two years behind me. The other half of the year, they're only one year behind because they don't believe in daylight savings time. We legislated that that out. We are the legislated it out. Did not know that was a, even a possibility growing up, but it bit me in the butt this week because <laughs> I was supposed to, you and I are supposed to have do, record this podcast an hour ago, but I failed to make that that connection, that change in my mind. Well, nonetheless, I I'm, I mentioned that because even while we're doing this podcast, a verdict might have been reached. We don't right. know. It's We are waiting, expecting a verdict at any minute. And so uh, this might be dated by the time you are listening to this podcast it might be dated but hey you know what if that's the case it'll be very interesting because you'll be able to tell immediately how brilliant we are or what idiots we are it's going to be one or the other um but nonetheless let's jump right in here and talk about this case let me just unpack it a little bit uh rittenhouse was this 17 year old uh Mm -hmm. who lived over there across the border from kenosha wisconsin and and so this was when you had the 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 Blake shootings over there in in Kenosha, and there were a lot of demonstrations going on, some rioting going on as well. This is where you get this famous, infamous CNN headline. I don't know if you remember this headline on CNN, where their headline ran, fiery but mostly peaceful protest after police shooting, and that was the, the, the headline, and behind that headline, you could see a city ablaze, open fires, but nonetheless, it was a... Fiery but mostly peaceful protest. Well, uh, written um, written. In the house wanted to go over to uh, Kenosha and kind of. I don't even want to put words in his mouth. He did testify in this trial, but he said he wanted to go there to kind of be a peacekeeper, if you will. Um, he wanted to put out the fires, provide some some medical training and, and treatment. He's he's a seventeen year old. Chris, I think we can both agree on this. I don't know if we can. can. Uh, I'll, I'll throw it out there. He's an idiot. If this had been that my is 100% son, true, yes. he would have been grounded for a year.
1: You, know, you don't take
0: an AR 15 or as he's going to serve paper. life in prison.
1: He's going to be grounded for a year or serve life in prison because <laughs> he was an idiot.
0: Yeah. Uh, so we can let's get past that. That is, But that was his stated purpose. Here's the other thing, Chris. He's 17 years old. Indeed. He can be an idiot because he's 17 years old. Now, obviously, what he did here is going to have eternal consequences. That's not, I'm not questioning that. But he's a 17-year-old, and sometimes they make decisions that have consequences. And so here, um, he went over to, to Kenosha, Wisconsin. And the way things played out, as you can imagine, you got a 17-year-old with an AR-15 strapped around his neck. Mm -hmm. Violence found him or he found the violence. Uh, You had three different situations, three different shootings. In each one of these shootings, it has been pretty much conceded by both sides. I've read both liberal accounts and conservative accounts that... Someone else uh, shot on him first. He wasn't just going there and shooting everyone in sight. He actually, the three times he shot, um, he was being attacked. And so that's not the issue in this case. But then we have this trial now over his three shootings. Two of the people he shot died and yep. the other one that he shot lived. Anything you
1: want to add to the background facts of this story? No, those are pretty, pretty solid facts. I would add that the trial is turning on this idea of provocation. Um, whether he provoked people to attack him or if it was unprovoked, which I think uh, that's where um, self-defense turns on anyway, so which is what his defense was. Um, But yeah, the the riot or the event, the fiery but peaceful uh, protest in question was in result of a um, shooting of an unarmed black man, Jacob Blake, and – which is a very heated, emotional topic in America right now. Uh, No matter what side you fall on, it's a very divisive topic. So Kyle was, again, I agree, was a total idiot. He was there to, in his words, render aid to the police officers, which that's a lot to unpack for a 17-year-old kid with an AR-15 and what role that plays in society.
0: Right now, you did mention one thing that is a little bit disputed, and that was whether or not Jacob Blake was unarmed. I, I do believe that that is in dispute as to whether he had a knife. Uh, I know that there's some saying no, he he actually did, was armed, and then some else saying, well, it wasn't with a gun, and so the police overreacted when they when they shot. Uh, but nonetheless, you you are right. That was a a um, it was a time of 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 no peace, of very much unrest. You had. Right demonstrations there and you had some uh some some rioting going on as well mm-hmm. now i want to talk a little bit about the misrepresentation by the media i gotta tell you i am bothered when i see how the media has their own narratives with these stories and i'm i'm gonna call out both sides i i think right. conservatives have their narrative and the liberals have their narrative. And I am just wondering myself, who wants to know what actually is the truth? How do I find out the truth? Uh, Because everyone's running with their own narrative. For example, here, President Joe Biden called Rittenhouse a white supremacist. So I thought, okay, well, then Mm -hmm. he must be a white supremacist. No, I didn't actually think that. I don't assume whatever Joe Biden says is true, but you would have thought the president of the United States said it, there must have been some evidence that he was a white supremacist. Chris, I'm going to give you the opportunity here because I'm setting you up a little bit. Go ahead and give me the evidence that he is a white supremacist. There is none.
1: Did you find any anywhere? So it's... So can you say that Kyle Rittenhouse is a white supremacist? maybe yes maybe no what we do have is pictures on social media of kyle kyle rittenhouse with white supremacists throwing white power signs when was that what when was that uh let me pull it up right now it was four days there's a picture on his instagram right now um this picture comes off of the oan network it's copyrighted Let me click to the website because Google um, 114, January 14th, 2021. He is pictured inside of a Bennigan's or what looks to be a Bennigan's with a white, known white supremacist throwing up the white power sign um, and posing for a picture. So he was with some people
0: who are known to be white supremacists. The three people that he shot were all white in this case um and there's nothing that i can tell that he targeted anyone of color in this matter i don't see how he went over there with some kind of design to shoot people based upon race and nor do i think that actually happened where he shot anyone based upon race uh but nonetheless that's the narrative of this story that this is somehow racially motivated and i but it isn't. You brought up the point. Well, there there might have been a picture. There was a picture showing him right. with these people who were known white supremacists. So we're going to say he's guilty because he
1: I hung don't, out. I'm not saying he's guilty. I'm just saying that he's been that. That's where you could get the inclination of, you know. He's hanging out with white supremacists and he's throwing up a white power mark. Now, whether he's doing that because, he again, he's a 17-year-old kid. He's right. an idiot. Is he doing this because he likes the attention and he wants to be accepted by an in-crowd, especially since most of these people are funding his defense, right? The GoFundMe right. came out and a lot of these Proud Boy-type Uh, archetype figures are funding the defense so whether kyle is an actual white supremacist or not i think can be up for debate i think he likes the attention and he feels safe with that crowd
0: interesting all right so this was the 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 backdrop and we had a lot of different media reports on this right uh, a lot of different narratives are being put out there and in this environment you now have to have a trial which really what or where I want to focus our comments because right. I find this trial to be very problematic as a lawyer uh let's start off with just first of all the scene uh you, you mentioned to me but in our um our pre our production meeting we were talking mm-hmm. about the the all the noise that's going on outside of this uh this courthouse. I mean, right. these jurors are hearing these the 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 demonstrators outside. I believe it was just reported today that one individual was spotted trailing the the jury van yep. as they're going to another hotel to do their drop off and the judge they they questioned this person. And there's some idea that he's connected to NBC or MSNBC. I'm not sure that's been proven yet, but nonetheless, the judge responded by kicking out MSNBC yeah, he from a, the
1: courtroom. Yeah, he was a freelance producer or, you know, kind of boots on ground for local station for MSNBC affiliates. So, Are you
0: worried at all that the jurors
1: would be scared for their life if they reach a verdict one way or the other? Oh 100%. That's why the governor has called in the National Guard. Um, not only are the on the left side um, out there being stupid, there's people who are the free, I hate the phrase counter-protesting. There's the there's the giant protest that's going on. You have the left side that's out there, the the BL, Black Lives Matter people, the the Jacob Blake family members are all out there. And then you also have on the other side um, people who uh, who believe or agree that what kyle did is perfectly okay and perfectly fine and he absolutely did nothing wrong both sides are brandishing firearms right now because it's wisconsin and it's completely legal if i was a juror on this case i would be freaked out that no matter which way i came down um it's gonna there's gonna be violence erupting how do you get a fair
0: jury verdict in this environment you can't. i just if i were a juror myself i know i would be thinking even though i know i would do the right thing because that's just kind of how i'm i'm wired guilty like wait you know what go ahead and give give i'm going to go ahead and say guilty or not guilty you know um and I'll, I'll just deal with the other stuff later but i could see how that would cross my mind right i would be very concerned about my safety Right. By rendering a verdict one way or the other. And so that you can't have that with trials. Well, did this court mess up with, by allowing this stuff to happen there so close
1: to the courtroom. It's hard, right? Cause we're exercising our rights to protest, to redress our government. But there's that, that's kind of the thing that's been going on is trying to figure out what's that fine line of public safety. Where do your rights end and my rights begin when it comes to something like fear or intimidation, and there's laws right. for it, right? You can't, you know, coercion things to that effect. But at this point in the game, what what does that look like in the courthouse? They're probably protected, right? All the people with guns are outside. Um, we're inside. There's police inside. We're protected inside. But man, we live in a world where. You know, everybody knows everyone on social media. Kenosha is not a big town. It's not right. like it's a, a downtown Los Angeles or Chicago. They're going to know, the yeah, know who these jurors
0: are. Yeah, they're going
1: they're going to know who these jurors are. I'm almost certain of it. So the um, only safe bet, and and this is something that I, I don't like thinking about because you know I've done a couple of defense trials, and um, you know, and you and I both being lawyers understand the sanctity of the jury room, but. In the room, if I was in there, the best suggestion for them for their safety, for individual juror safety, is to say, We have to come back hung. We have to come back like a a seven or a seven five hung jury or a, a six six hung jury, and then no one will know who was hung, who wasn't hung, and we can all right. go home. Right. I, I we'll, let's get to that here at the end cuz I want us
0: to kind of make our predictions and before we do that we'll check right. out you know the news, CNN, Fox News, whatever. MSNBC though they're not allowed in the courtroom, <laughs> to anymore. find out hey, has there been a verdict before we make our predictions? But that being said, we we both can agree that if jury intimidation exists, if it is going on, right. that is a basis for a mistrial. I mean the 100%. the the, the defendant will be able to file a motion for mistrial probably would be granted if jury intimidation is going on. You mentioned how would that look in this case? Well, maybe they should put these demonstrators out, you know, 100 yards, 200 yards, where from all the media reports is that what they're saying outside is... Yeah can be heard inside the courtroom. So however far they are, it's too close. It can be intimidating. And so at least back them up. Cause I do believe you have a free speech, right? But I you think do? in this particular situation, you'd be allowed to be pushed away past a barrier so that they can actually hold the proceedings inside the court without hearing your, your, um, your chance outside of the courtroom. But
1: well, and I'm watching the trial live on, um, New York times right now. Um, okay. and literally both sides are maybe six steps from the door that's and too they're, close. and they're not even, and they're not very much separated from one another. Like there are maybe like, a uh, maybe 10, 10 feet, 20 feet away from where the New York times camera is set up. Like I'm in frame looking at both sides of this Back and they are close up. and they're armed. And that's, that's the scary part. Like, you want to come to protests, right? And if a fist fight breaks out, I've been to plenty of protests that fist fights have broken out. Police have been able to back it up. But you're adding an element of guns to this now that makes everyone, including the police, who have to be safe as well. That puts everyone at risk when the sides show up with weapons. But wow, it's crazy.
0: It, it, it is crazy. I, my mind and is just racing around all the different possibilities here. Now, if we're talking, let's, let's focus down inside the courtroom. I, I, at the very beginning of the trial, I know the judge was very upset because someone attempted to take a picture of the jury. Yes, so uh, very that much so. concerned me because I just assumed that if they're inside the courtroom they'd find and there's there's cameras inside the courtroom, they would find some way to sequester off the jury so the public and the TV cameras wouldn't even see them. Because right. someone sitting in the front row is going to know who those jurors are and say, that's Bob, that's Sue. And now all of a sudden that's not going to be anonymous and they're going to report that, hey, Bob and Sue sat on the jury. And so do you know, because I've watched this, but do you know how the courtroom is set up here? Can they actually, can the people in the seats, the public, see the jury? Yes. Okay. That's interesting. Yep. I had no idea. I mean, I, I yep. assumed they would try to somehow sequester them off and block them off so that way the cameras couldn't accidentally pan over and and get a picture of them. Chris, I think jury intimidation exists here. Uh, If I were those jurors,
1: I would be scared of my my verdict. Well, the cameras aren't set up to where the cameras would be able to see the juries. They did a really good job. The judge did a good job in that. But it's a public trial. People can come in. People can see. Yeah. Right? And, and, And let's be honest. 100%. Let's be honest. Freelance videographers. If somebody from cnn or somebody from a terrorist organization or somebody from um a, a civil obedience or a civil whatever organization they have the money to hand that freelance photographer 50 right. grand 100 grand for that tape there you go like that right, person's so a it's capitalism at its finest right you you <laughs> go to the highest <laughs> and bidder. worst right but you know there you know there's no real liability on the cameraman's half by just passing over a tape that is of the jury walking in. So we are in agreement that if jury intimidation
0: exists, that is cause for a mistrial. Right now let's move over to the actual jury instructions. And so what is the jury deliberating right now? So I pulled down the actual jury instructions that were nice. given to this jury. And let me just read off for them uh, some of these these uh, instructions for you. Uh, you already, I assume, know what, what these jury instructions are going to say. But let's just start yeah. off with, at the beginning here, when it comes to self-defense, which is the issue in this case, yes, it, it starts off by saying this. Self-defense is an issue in this case. Thank you, Captain Obvious. Uh, as to each <laughs> of counts one through five, the state must prove by evidence which satisfies you beyond a reasonable doubt that the mm-hmm. defendant did not act lawfully in self defense. So let me just let's just unpack that for our listeners because yeah. this case is not about what do you think? Do you think that Rittenhouse was acting lawfully? Do you think Rittenhouse feared for his life? That's not the issue in this case. The issue is Not at all. Did the prosecution prove their case that Rittenhouse did not fear for his life beyond all reasonable doubt? Chris, I I, don't know. I, have, I, have, I have no idea how the prosecution be, could be successful on that, that charge. I think there's a there's an abundance of doubt here. Whether I might slide it one way or the other for myself, I definitely think there's room for, for
1: disagreement. Am I missing right. something? No, I... I think the prosecutor botched this case from the get-go. Absolutely botched it from the get-go. Um I I've never tried a murder case, you know, full full disclosure, but I did work in criminal defense for a while and 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 following this case very closely because again, it's it's one of those cases that you unless you lived under a rock during the the years of 2020 and 2021, you know, when we were all at home because of a pandemic. Right you had to follow this at least a little bit. And you know, as the, and look, as the only lawyer in my family, my family comes to me all the time and asks questions. Could it be self-defense? Could it be this? Could it be that? And I don't like to, you know, sound like I'm an idiot when I'm answering these questions. I like to have the, it's depend, it depends answer, but I watched right, this that's prosecutor, the lawyer answer, right. I watched this prosecutor and it was just, it, it was like Casey Anthony or OJ Simpson all over again, trying to take a case that, could arguably be slam dunk, and overcomplicate it for everyone. The, the there is nothing that the prosecution put out there that shows beyond a reasonable doubt that Kyle Ritteringhouse did not act in self defense.
0: Right. The yeah the the, the timeline. Uh, if you look at each of the three incidences, again, I've read liberal accounts and conservative mm-hmm. accounts, and they're all in agreement that. Yeah, the other side pulled their gun first or or threatened him. Uh, and, and so you mentioned, before we go to provocation, I want to just finish up here self-defense because there, for our listeners who might not know what these jury instructions say, the issue is when it comes to using deadly force. Right. And so when can you use deadly force in self-defense? Obviously, your, your beliefs need to be reasonable, but right. here's what it says. The defendant may intentionally use force which is intended or likely to cause death or great bodily harm, only if the defendant reasonably believed that the force used was necessary to prevent imminent death or great bodily harm to himself. So getting whacked over the head with a skateboard would constitute great bodily harm to himself. That is a knock to the head that that counts. A threat to kill someone right. that clearly counts. He fears for his life, and so it seems to me self-defense. I, if you if you were to ask me which side would I land on, I would say, well, he was at He was reasonable. He did fear for his life. But again, that's right. not the issue. The issue is: is there? Did the state prove? He was not acting self-defense beyond a reasonable doubt, and I think right. doubt abounds here. But let's go to provocation, because you mentioned that as well. Right. So let's read what I think is the probably the turning point in this case. I think when you look back from five years down the road, you look back at this trial, this is going to be the turning point in this case. All right, here's what the, the instruction on provocation says. It says a person who engages in unlawful conduct of a type likely to provoke others to attack and who does provoke an attack is not allowed to use or threaten force in self-defense against that attack. And so the issue is what Rittenhouse was doing that night. Was that unlawful? And at the very beginning they had this weapons charge and, and a lot of people thought, well, So he was not actually acting lawfully there in Kenosha because he held a gun that was unlawful. Well, there was a weapons charge in this case. There was also a curfew charge in this case. Both of those charges have been dismissed. Apparently, this gun that he was carrying was not a shot off off shotgun. It was longer than what this, this law prohibits. Now, again, I am not an expert on this law, but neither is CNN or MSNBC, this judge and the, or the prosecution,
1: the prosecution didn't even law. know
0: this law, and and they said no, this is not a violation, right. and so they dismissed those charges. Which Chris, I also I find think that's,
1: I find it that? a little funny because the Georgia legislature, or not, I'm sorry, not the Georgia, the Wisconsin legislature went in and changed the law to okay. now, now the possession post Kyle's actions, now the possession of that gun is illegal. Interesting. Okay. Because the, the idea behind the law, and I looked into this because, again, this is another thing, right? In my head, when I am when I was thinking about how are they going to prosecute this case, I'm like, it's a slam dunk. You're a minor in possession of a firearm, and you show up to a riot, what you believe to be a riot, because you believe you're going to be there to have medical aid and, and aid the police. You show up with an illegal weapon at a riot. That's provocation. Right. But- but no, the law is very clear that minors can be in, pos- or the law was very clear, it has now been changed, that minors can be in possession of long-barreled assault rifles or shotguns. It was used for the purpose of hunting, um, which was the law was for hunting and National Guards and things to that effect. But the Wisconsin legislature went in earlier this year after this incident happened and changed the law to where they've narrowed it to the certain situations that you could be in possession of that gun for.
0: Interesting, see, Chris, that's right. why we have you on the podcast because you bring those kind of nuggets to us, and now I feel, um, hey, fully briefed on the matter. Mm. I think that's pivotal. I think that their decision to bring these charges and then dismiss them, so now what Rittenhouse was doing was lawful. There is no charge right, right now on in this case that he was acting otherwise unlawfully of course we know that the murder charges stand alone that would be unlawful but that can't be the unlawful activity correct otherwise was he doing something unlawful by being there with a gun there's no charge here that he was doing that and so i think that's fatal i think this case is going to turn on that dismissal any thoughts as to how incredibly
1: smart i am well obviously smartest (laughs) man in the lane that's why we do this podcast but that's Again, that's where the prosecution keeps, you know, effing up. At this point, the prosecution was surprised when the charges got dismissed because the prosecution's reading of the law wasn't what the law said. It's it, it there is a lot on there was a lot of assumptions on the prosecution side about what the judge would allow in, at least in my opinion. Again, Chris Moran's opinion. Um cuz I don't know the prosecutor and I don't know the judge outside of what I've seen and read. But I'm assuming the prosecutor thought he was – it's one of these discussions where, of course, this law doesn't apply to a 17-year-old kid coming to a a protest or riot or whatever, you an event where violence was happening, that, of course, this law shouldn't apply that way. That's not the intent of the law. And the judge is like, it doesn't matter what the intent of the law is. It matters what the words of the law are. And these are the plain and simple words of the law. And the prosecutor clutched his pearls and was taken back like – No, no, that's not how I interpreted it. And sorry, Chuck, like that's how the law rolls. It's not how you interpret it. It's how the judge interprets it. And it's how the law is written. So you don't get to hang your hat on a law that doesn't say what you think it should say or what you feel or what you intend it to say.
0: Now, um, so those are the jury instructions that I think are most applicable here. Obviously, yeah, most important jury instructions yeah, yeah. for homicide, things like that. But I think that's clear. He's guilty mm-hmm. of all of those things, pretty much, well, he if he does it. not have self-defense that's available as a defense. Yeah. So that being said, now let's analyze the mistrial options. Because in this case, mm. it seems to me this prosecutor has had a lot of missteps that has yep. caused almost black letter law type of motions for mistrial. Let's start off with the right to remain silent. He told the jury (laughs) that Rittenhouse's silence should be used against him because it looked like he was acting guilty. Chris, you can't do that. Anyone who has seen... You know, my cousin Vinny knows you can't use someone's silence against them in court.
1: Everybody knows that you have the right to remain silent. Like, that's a given. Like, everybody. And and for him to use that is, it's again, a classic blunder on the prosecution thinking that this is going to be a slam dunk because the judge is a certain type of judge. And this is obvious. And there's footage. And I don't really have to do my job. And... Blah, blah, blah. Like, you don't get to you. I don't care who it is. I don't care if he gave a full confession in, to the police officers and doesn't want to take the stand. You can't say that. Right.
0: You cannot say that. Uh, again, I don't practice in criminal law as well, but I do do a podcast. That's going to count for something. And I oh, yeah. Know Slept you, at a Holiday you, Inn Express last night. Yeah. And I watched Law and Order at the same time. Right. It's like a twofer. You had the right to remain silent and not have that used against you. And I, I it, it, it almost makes me think this was done intentionally to get a mistrial. He wanted oh, yeah. a do-over. When his first witness gets up on the stand and says, yes, I pointed my gun at him first, their yeah. case was doomed from that moment. And he wanted a do-over, so maybe he wouldn't call that guy as a witness. I, I don't know what the, his thought was on that, but... Again, it seems like it's pretty simple right. legal, a pretty simple legal principle that he just butchered. Uh, how about this one? What do you think about this? When he, you, you seen that picture of the prosecutor holding the gun and pointing the gun with his finger, finger on, on the on trigger?
1: The trigger? What, are you allowed to do that in front of a jury? Who was he pointing that gun at? Allegedly, he was pointing it at the wall above the jury. Allegedly. Allegedly. That's what he's going with. I pointed above the allegedly. Heads. But again, again, it shows it shows the fact that one first off, every prosecutor in the land knows how to handle a gun because they're allowed to have guns. As they do to,
0: on um assuming the people on movie sets also know how to handle guns.
1: No, uh, ask Alec Baldwin no, how that worked out. Yeah, uh, yeah. How'd that work out for you, Baldy? But prosecutors actually have to go and qualify. Alec okay. Baldwin just has to blame it on someone else. Okay. Um, But I, and I'm sorry, you're in Wisconsin. You're in small town Wisconsin. You know how to handle a gun. There's no, in, there's no world in my, in, in any sort of belief that this prosecutor doesn't know how to handle a weapon. Okay.
0: And, and, And you think that's a proper handling of a weapon to point it at the head? No, it's not a problem
1: at all. And finger on the trigger? Come on. What is he doing? Come on. He's, it's again, lazy. He's blowing this case. Now, Does my tinfoil conspiracy theory hats come out and I want to make some allegations about how the judge and the prosecutor and the, and the district, the uh, defense attorney are all on the same team because they don't think Kyle did anything wrong. And the trial is just a huge media farce. Maybe, maybe, but again, you see this type of lazy prosecution come across when prosecutors haven't had to really do their job and really try these cases before. I'm sure that this guy is just used to being able to cut side streets as a prosecutor to get convictions because that's what we do in America is we don't have to ferret out all of the rights because we're just kind of putting on a show. But now that like, now that he's under a media scrutiny, unlike anything we've seen in the last four or five years, he's fallen apart. You could, and I said it earlier, right? It's like OJ, it's like Casey Anthony. Prosecutors, when they're being super examined by every angle, sometimes fall back and make some lazy mistakes because they're not used to being watched so heavily. Well, speaking
0: of lazy mistakes, uh, this last one here is another basis for a mistrial, and that is there was. A- Video evidence from a drone of of what took place that evening. It's there's right. a drone up there, and the prosecutors only gave the defense copy of that video from a very compressed, reduced file, not the right. high definition file that they had. Well, why does that make a difference? Well, when you blow up a a um, uh, a file, you can see things maybe a little bit more clearly. And so the prosecution was able to see things more clearly about what happened. The defense was not, and the defense said we would have presented our case a little bit differently had we known this. And why did you withhold right. that information? That's right. a Brady violation by so withholding that information. Again, you would know that if you watched my cousin Vinny. I guess it just <laughs> plays into your theory that this prosecutor
1: is just acting lazy. He's hundred percent acting like. Again, if you have damning. Evidence you share it all day. You long. have to. You, or, you, or you, well, you, you have share to share it all day it. long because then it's like, hey, let's cop a plea deal, or your boy's going to jail. What do you want to do? Like when when they have damning evidence, they share it every single minute of every single day because that buoy's up their case. Right. It makes it easier. And look, as a defense attorney, I want the damning evidence. I want to know what's coming at me. That's part of the system. You give me the evidence against my guy or my yes. gal or my they, and you you then make strategic legal decisions based on the evidence that will be presented. That is called effective assistance of counsel.
0: Like for example, and I have not seen this video uh, in depth, right? But this video could have shown it was a drone, but it's going to be a top down uh, view. It could have shown, Rittenhouse may be pointing a gun in a certain direction that the prosecutor right. wants to say, "Look at where he's pointing his gun." That's evidence of of assault or intimidation or provocation, oh my, provocation or whatever. Right, the big one. Well, you don't know that because that is a top down angle um the defense would like to present an expert witness that says, "No, look, you, you, you got it wrong." Uh, from that angle, this is what it would show. Well. They didn't have time to call an expert witness to rebut the prosecution's use of that evidence, and that's very damaging to the defense when you withhold right. uh, information like that. Again, another cause for a, a mistrial. Well, All right.
1: The judge said so, right? The judge said that if the jury comes back with a guilty verdict based on just the evidence of the drone, that he's inclined to entertain the motion for mistrial.
0: Yeah, I, I think that—let's let, unpack now. Uh, first of all, while I'm talking, go ahead and go online. And make sure there hasn't been a verdict issue already. Oh, Assuming there has not updates. been a verdict.
1: What's that? Oh, I have it running in the background, man. Constant updates.
0: So no verdict as of yet. Correct.
1: All right. Why?
0: Because I got to tell you, this is not that complicated. I, I pulled down those jury instructions. I read them to you. We can right. analyze those here in the period of this podcast and come up with a decision. This is now their third day. What does that – why is there this, is this long delay? What does that mean?
1: Uh, Fear.
0: Fear is one. Fear. So there is jury I, intimidation I, I going full, on. I
1: full-on believe that they're just trying to um, – um, ferret out the best and well I do believe that the jury's trying to deliberate right there's a it's a young th- this is a tragic situation full stop Take all the politics out of it. Two people are dead, a person is gravely injured, and a third person is going to have to live with this for the rest of their life. And it's going to, hopefully, if he's not a sociopath, which, again, I'm not betting that he is, this is going to affect him the rest of his life. He's going to be followed forever as Kyle Ritteringhouse, and it's going to be infamous. Some circles are going to love him, and some circles are going to want him dead. So the jury wants to do this right. They want it, I believe. In right. the system. I believe that the jury is trying to go through evidence piece by piece because you are now determining the course of the rest of this kid's life. Kid now he- life. Now, here's where I, I
0: it breaks down with me. You just pointed out that how serious this is. They're taking their job seriously. And you and I have kind of gone back and forth here. If one person in that jury room wants to go the other way, whichever way that is. Right. there's no verdict there's not a not guilty verdict there's not a guilty verdict and, and so is it likely there's one person there one side or the other just holding on it's like you know you don't understand there will be rioting here if we reach a certain decision we let's look at this even a, are we sure about this before we rule Right. and i can see that going either direction here and so because you need a unanimous verdict and Chris I don't think you and I can even agree amongst ourselves it's just there's so many different things here how are we gonna get 12 people to all agree as to one interpretation of these events I think it's gonna be my my bet it's going to be a hung jury. I just do not see how right. you're going to get 12 people on the same page with these facts. Uh, that I'm going to put my name on the line there. That's my prediction. A hung jury. I have no idea if they're going to retry this case. Uh, but what, what is your thought?
1: I agree. I think it is, it is going to... I teeter. I teeter-totter depending on my mood of the day between uh, not guilty across the board and hung jury. Um, if it's hung jury, um, I may think that the the judge might come back with a dismissal with prejudice um and be able to to stop a refiling but i also think right. that um he might walk with not guilty verdicts cuz the prosecution did such a horrible job i think and and again i flip-flop depending look hey it's sunny so it's not guilty hey the clouds came out it's going to be a hung jury that's where right. i'm at right now cuz it's such a it's a, i don't think there is any planet where this kid comes back guilty not even a little bit I, I, I do not
0: think so. If they come back guilty, my faith in the judicial system is going to be shot, uh, really? and I think the judge will overturn it almost immediately. Without even uh, he
1: won't even have the, the defense won't even have time to make the motion. They will read guilty. The judge will hit the gavel and be like, "We're done."
0: Yes, I there. There's no way that this is going to be. Uh, he's going to be found guilty and have that stand. There's just too many errors by the prosecution. I look at the evidence and I see reasonable doubt all up and down this case. In fact, I kind of would lean lean on he's actually not guilty. Even in the civil case, I think he acted reasonably here based upon the law and how it's applied under these facts. Again, if he were my son or or do I think he's stupid? Yes, I think he's stupid. He should not have done that. But nonetheless, he was there lawfully The one thing I might, the one angle I'm I'm just pausing on is if you have this drone video showing he pointed his gun at someone, that's going to be an assault. That's going to be provocation. He will have started it, and therefore he would not be justified in in using lethal force, though even that's not certain because the provocation defense also has a, a clause that if you still believe your life is in imminent danger and there's no other way to retreat, you are allowed to use lethal force. And right. so, uh, but still, it's, it's, it's a much tougher issue. I don't see 12 people all in agreement that he is guilty under these facts. So hey, we'll have to see what happens. So, and we'll follow that as well.
1: Breaking news is the jury ha- is still deliberating and they're going home for the night. Okay. If so they're going back. So it doesn't look like a, a. by the time this podcast comes out, they'll still be de- deliberating.
0: It uh, will be on day four of deliberation. I have no idea what it means if the deliberations last longer than the actual trial. We'll have to see if it gets to that point. I think it was a 10-day trial. I'm not sure. Uh, somewhere around 10 days. We'll be on day four starting tomorrow. All right, let's move now. Shift gears here a little bit to courtroom quarterbacks. We are going to talk about a lawsuit that in full disclosure, we're so happy about all, all giddy. Yeah. And now so I want to make sure, about- I, I want to make sure I explain myself, but John Gruden, the former coach of the Las Vegas Raiders has sued Roger Goodell for tortious interference with his business relationships. Yep. Uh, he has sued Roger Goodell and again, full disclosure, I am just so happy. I cannot stand Roger Goodell. I'm not (laughs) saying I like John Gruden. No, no, I'm not saying I. I'm not saying I approve of what he said in his emails. I think what he said in his emails were very bad. But that being said, this was a witch hunt by Roger Goodell because he has such thin skin. And so let's unpack what this lawsuit is all about. All right, are you ready? I love this. Let's do it. Okay, so you sent me the complaint this week and yep. I um uh I, I read through that complaint as I know you did as well, and this mm-hmm. is what I got from this complaint. Okay, oh, so they this complaint repeated the entire history of of what happened here in Washington. So the Washington football team had some allegations that they were, they create a a sexually hostile work environment with their cheerleaders. Uh, There's a lot of, uh, by by the cheerleaders themselves, some insinuations that they were asked to do some improper things, looking in very inappropriate things.
1: What's that? Very inappropriate things. We should not be asking people to do.
0: Yes, yeah, and if you're just listening to this for the first time, hearing about this, we're talking about beyond just dressing up in skimpy things and dancing in front of a hundred thousand people. This is this is beyond, way beyond that. What the, what the allegations are, yep. and so uh, they were, they started investigating the Washington football team. And so they went over 650,000 emails that existed in the Washington football team's organization, emails that were sent to its president and owner and and things like general manager, things like that. Now, here's the thing that the the John Gruden's attorneys made very clear. Of those 650,000 emails that they went through, that, that were, that, again, they were, these were all being investigated to look for evidence of a sexually explicit or anything that dealt with a sexual hostile work environment. Do you know how many emails of those natures were, were leaked?
1: Was it just the 11 for John Gruden? Y-
0: yes. Yeah, so the answer is zero. None. Yeah. Outside of John Gruden's Outside email, of John's, zero. not a one was leaked. It's like, what? I would love. I mean, we have a very salacious appetite in America. We want the juicy details. I want it all. Give us the sex stories. I mean, it's all bad. Granted, we want to hear about it.
1: That's just our nature. We we want also also to be fair. I want the six hundred thousand emails so that way, if someone needs to be fired, they could be fired, right? I don't want Roger Goodell covering up for his buddies in the Washington or yeah Washington football team for being these you know predator you know pedophiles that are going after these these you know cheerleaders like oh, i I get that i'm just saying if if the allegation is
0: oh no we didn't leak these just other people leaked them because they were such of a nature that the public had to know that right it's like no there's a lot of emails there the public would want to know about. As you pointed out, you want to nail the the, the perpetrators against the wall. We want to know that information. That, those are juicy details there. And not a one. Zero, zero. No other emails but these 11 emails that we're talking about here. John Gruden, not a single other one was leaked. Well, Chris, that does beg the question, Why? Yep. Why were only John Gruden's emails leaked and who did it? And that really was the basis of this lawsuit. John Gruden's attorney is saying, look, it was, there was a reason why these were the only ones that were leaked. Uh, and so the couple of reasons were, were, were thrown out there. One is this was a red herring, or I don't know what the phrase is. Maybe you can come up with a better yeah. phrase, but it's like, look at this. This is bad. And let's now talk about what happened to the Washington football team, right? We're, we're going right. to sweep this one under the rug. So, but let's all look at John Gooden's, Gruden. So was the, the, the leak of these emails done to get the public's attention away from the Washington
1: football team? 100%. You, you think that, that's the reason why? Well, also, the, the one thing that I think we failed to address is that the time when these emails were sent, John Gruden didn't even work for the NFL. Right. He he worked no, for ESPN. So did.
0: nothing to do with his employment with the NFL. It was all done prior to his employment in the NFL.
1: Right. So what's, what's the point here, guys? If all right. John, well, we're all getting if, to John, it. if Roger Goodell, right, we're going to get there, but he wasn't working, wasn't working for the NFL at the time. This is obviously a setup. Again, these emails I do not approve of. I follow
0: nope. the old adage of, uh, you know, I live life. I, I follow the adage of seeing in a shower as if no one is listening, but email as if it'll be read in front of a jury. So 100%. when you put something down, you got to be very careful what you say. Well, nonetheless, I don't approve of these emails. But one of these emails or, or several of these emails that, that Gruden sent out criticized Roger Goodell. And of course was, they did in not a positive way, called him names. I don't approve of calling someone names, but that's what he did. Is that why, is Roger Goodell that petty, that once he learned that John Gruden was calling him these very unpleasant names, that that's why he instigated this leak against, Roger, against
1: John Gruden that destroyed his career? 100% yes. Uh, if you remember, Roger Goodell was really good friends with Donald Trump. Until Donald Trump told Goodell to fire Colin Kaepernick for kneeling. Now, where you fall on that is inconsequential. But it was in that moment when Roger Goodell got told by Donald Trump he had to do something. That's when the NFL went full. Everybody gets to kneel. We're putting Black Lives Matter on the helmets. Roger is petty. He is absolutely petty. He He suffers from that Napoleon complex. I don't know if he feels like huge imposter syndrome, like all of these players and coaches are, you know, he doesn't feel comfortable because on some level he thinks they're better than him, or he's trying to knock down people a couple notches, but Roger Goodell lives in the house of petty and he's more than willing to destroy people that he thinks have wronged him one way or another. It's almost as if he thinks he is responsible
0: for the NFL's success. It's like, no Roger. The NFL was the most popular sports league in the world. Well, before you ever received a check as NFL commissioner, it has nothing to do with you. You have never made a tackle, thrown a touchdown, caught a touchdown pass. I would like Great. to see Warren Sapp take one shot at him. But nonetheless, <laughs> yeah, he has nothing to do with it. He's a little tyrant. I think this is his pettiness coming through, and he also targeted petty. John Gruden. And I think he has a case. I I know the NFL has responded by saying this is all frivolous. That's what the lawyers always say with their clients being sued. Yes, they do. 100% always say it's frivolous. Here's another interesting thing about this case, which I find fascinating. Did you know that John Gruden has already settled with uh, his employers, the, the um, uh, Al Davis's son—I forget his name—the owner of the Las the Vegas Raider. Raiders—he's yep. already settled with him for the, his um, uh, loss compensation.
1: I believe he Did also you know settled for his entire contract amount. From what the rumors it are, it might flying. have been
0: a reduced amount, but it was settled. Right. But here's my point with this: If why didn't the the Las Vegas Raiders include in a settlement? a global release against the NFL. Most likely they should have done that, put in there some language saying, look, you got to release us from any future liability and also the NFL. Davis did not do that. Is there some bad blood between Davis and the NFL? Or it's like, no, we're going to settle this. We're going to pay him. And then we're going to point our finger right at you and say, go get him. We don't like Roger Goodell.
1: I mean, I would love to. I would love to just say, go get him. We don't like Roger Goodell, but I, it, this is a few, few podcasts back. I said, this is a bunch of white people, rich white people whining about money. And that's all it really right. is. At the end of the day, these guys have no connection to reality. And Goodell thinks that he's above the law and Gruden wants to take him down a peg. And for the first time in my life, I'm going to side with, with Gruden, even though I think he's okay. a, also a terrible human being.
0: All right, all right, good. Yeah, because we we want to see Roger Goodell go down because he's just so haughty and mighty. Right, he's and a terrible human being thinks, too. Yeah, when someone thinks their crap doesn't stink, it just makes you want them to fall on their face. And so I I'm rooting yeah. for that for Roger Goodell. Uh, I'll re- I'll go to a confessional booth tomorrow to repent of that. But nonetheless, right. that's, that's where my heart is right now. We'll be following this lawsuit. And also dawned on me as I was researching this lawsuit. I don't think John Gruden's football days are over. Not in even In fact, I think once this actually gets out there, that this was vindictive, I think he's going to see another day in college. Maybe LSU, maybe USC. <laughs> One of these college programs is going to come looking at him and he will take that job. And it'll For probably sure. be somewhere, I don't know, in the South where football is king. And, mm-hmm. and then he'll he'll take that job. But I don't think his days are done uh, with, with football.
1: All right. Well, Let's I think he's going to get the $15 million. I think he's gonna get the fifteen million from the uh, from the NFL. I think they'll just settle it for the fifteen mil, and then I think he'll get picked up in an SEC school, and they're gonna pay him sixty million. And then all of a sudden he's gonna be up more money than he would have been if he stayed playing or coaching for oh. the Raiders. Oh, he's
0: wealthy. I, I, I'm i going to just guess you off the top of my head. He probably coached four of the six years. I'm not sure how many, or f- four of the 10 years. It was mm-hmm. a $100 million contract, $10 million per year. Right. So he probably left $50 million on the table there when he mm-hmm. was fired. Uh, and, and so I think he's going to go after Roger Goodell for all that he can. I don't think money's yeah. even going to play into this. I think he wants to get at Roger Goodell. I think this is now, this is personal. Oh, and he's going to go after him. Him, which means his days of working In the NFL are done I don't think he has a future <laughs> in the NFL but I think his future is going to be in college football But I, I do think that that's the route that he will go I think his All future
1: right. was done before He filed this lawsuit Like he was out of the NFL The minute that Goodell forced him out So I, I he think has so. really right. nothing to lose
0: Right, no he doesn't have nothing to lose With the NFL, his days were done There, uh, and so it was, it was In college well, let's talk a little football here before we close up this podcast. Yeah, let's uh, do this it. is a really exciting week for me. I've been on cloud nine because my Kansas City Chiefs finally found their groove last yep. week against the Las Vegas Raiders. I knew that would be the 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 cure for what was ailing us, <laughs> and sure. we we finally came to life and we trashed them this week. The biggest game of the week is the Kansas City Chiefs versus the dallas cowboys and so for our listeners who might not be aware of this and you might not be aware of this do you know the history between the kansas city chiefs and the dallas cowboys i do not but i'm looking forward to hearing about it i'm gonna tell you back in the 1960s you had two teams in dallas you had the dallas cowboys yep and the Dallas Texans, owned by Lamar Hunt. And so there were two teams there playing in one city. It was thought Dallas is too small for two teams. Okay. And so they played. The winner was going to stay there in Dallas. The loser was going to leave Dallas. The Dallas Texans lost, moved to Kansas City, and became the Kansas City Chiefs. Of course, the Dallas Cowboys stayed there. So there is this history. We both came from the exact same t- city. And that's why Lamar Hunt... A Texan came to own an NFL franchise in Kansas City. I love so this that. Is a, I love this that. It's a huge game. Uh, the Cowboys are or the Chiefs are favored by two and a half points. So let's just talk a little bit about our picks this week. I, I will just tell the the listeners there who those that want to know that let's just I'm I'm gonna go over our picks here from our previous we've done these picks now for eleven or ten weeks. This is week eleven. Let's see here. Yep. My record last week was four and two, which brings my total season record to thirty-four and seventeen. Uh Chris, um do you know what your record is? Oh my record's like just
1: above fifty percent
0: that's right 25 and 24 you are still have a winning record you're still in the playoffs so hey better than the jaguars i'm just saying i'm better (laughs) than the jaguars i should not talk trash because i am going to be eating you know wind here whatever the phrase is eating dust uh because i am this week i do not have a good feeling about my picks but nonetheless let's go over this week's games i'm gonna go over my picks first And then you will give me your picks. Let's talk about these games because this is an exciting, this is where I really get into football, college football, and the pros. This is a great time to be a a football fan. First game, Packers. Versus the Vikings. Now the Vikings are the home team. The Packers are one and a half point favorite, which to me that's a pick'em kind of game. I know mean, uh, technically the Packers could win by one, but in essence, that's a pick 'em type type of game. Yeah. I think the Packers are moving in the right direction. I know the Vikings do kind of stick around. They stay around. They're they're well coached, but they're just a well-coached average team and i think right. the the packers are dialed in right now um their bad boy quarterback has kind of found his groove i want to take the packers minus the one and a half over the vikings
1: so are you gonna watch that game oh of course i am i'm okay, gonna watch aaron boy. rogers lose i'm gonna watch the vikings cover the spread <laughs> all
0: right all right the saints are a two-point underdog to the Eagles. When I saw that, I said, okay, I got to take the Saints. I just, yeah, the, Saints, the Eagles have been so bad. I know they got their quarterback now. I'm not a big believer in Hurts, but I like him. I'm just not a big believer in how well he has done uh, or his um, how good a quarterback he is. I got to take the Saints plus two over the Eagles. Cowboys and the Chiefs. <sighs> I'm going to tell you folks. Big one. Do not. Follow my pick here. I am taking the Chiefs because I cannot bet against my heart here. I know that the Cowboys are the hottest team in the NFL. Their quarterback is now the front runner since Matthew Stafford took a nosedive last week. Yeah. Their uh, their quarterback is the front runner for the MVP. Dak Prescott. Uh, it's going to be a home game though for the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs have found their groove, and here is the deal: when the Chiefs find their groove. They love the limelight. Uh, unlike the Rams, who's kind of wilter when the when the light shines brightly, the Chiefs historically have <laughs> They really loved the limelight. They are really good. They're going to showcase their offense. Last week, our creative offense was back. We had our fun plays. We now know if we realize that. Oh, yeah, we do have a tight end, Travis Kelsey, who's the best yep. tight end in the NFL playing for us. Why don't we throw to him over the middle? And so that's what we're going to do. The one downside is if Hilaire, Edwards Hilaire, comes back to play. If he comes back to play for the Chiefs, we're going to lose because he suffers right. from fumbleitis, and that will kill the Chiefs. But I'm assuming he's not going to come back this week, and we'll be good. I'm going to take the Chiefs minus the two and a half. Right. Ooh. Chargers versus the Steelers. The Steelers are a six point underdog against the Chargers. Again, this is one of my picks. I'm going with coaching. The coach of the Steelers is an amazing coach. He, at the end of the year, he knows how to turn his team around. I cannot believe they're a six point underdog. I am taking the Steelers against the Chargers. Finally here, actually I actually got two more picks, the Giants versus the Buccaneers. Now, my Chiefs just played the Giants a couple of weeks ago in a very close game. I realized the Giants' defense is for real. They have a good defense and not a bad offense. In fact, their receivers are now healthy this week. They are an 11-point underdog against Whoa. the Bucs. I'm going to take the Giants plus 11 over the Bucs. The Bucs, I think, are going to win this game. They, they've lost two in a row, so you right. know they got the, – the coach has their attention – the coach called them out this week and called them a bunch of idiots. And so he he has their attention. Yep. They're going to sure. win. I don't think they're going to cover the 11-point spread. Finally, I saw this pick right here. Oregon versus Utah. Now, Oregon is Ooh. ranked third. Okay, they're ranked third in the nation. Yeah. You got that? Yeah, but I third don't Third in the, the BCS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Utah is ranked 24th. Who do you think is favored? Oregon. Utah by three. I, I don't understand that. How is Utah favored over Oregon? I know Oregon plays every game close, but really? So I am taking Oregon uh plus the three points uh against Utah. All right, what what are your picks?
1: Well, I'm gonna now that I didn't even pay attention to the the Oregon Utah game, I'm gonna take Utah. I wanna right, just, to, just to do it. I'm gonna take Utah. I'm liking the the Oregon Utah game. I'm gonna have to watch that now. Uh even though uh, Mama Marone gets in on Saturday for Thanksgiving festivities. And that's going to take up a lot of my uh, time. So
0: well, you, you can have it on your phone.
1: Yeah. I could try to watch something, but let's go. Um, I'm Niners and Jags, right? It's going to be my favorite day because Urban Meyer is going to lose to my Niners. All it's right. Gonna be beautiful. So we're going to take Niners. Niners are a 6.5, uh, favored. They're going to cover that easily. J- just a touchdown. Yep. They're going to cover that easily. Niners over Jags. Dolphins versus the Jets. I saw that game. Two losers. That's a tough one. Dolphins are favored by 3.5. I think the Jets are going to win. I think that the Dolphins are not going to be able to put up against the Jets, and Zach Wilson's going to have his day. So I'm going to pick the Jets in the Dolphins Jets series.
0: Okay, now you know the Jets also are bringing back Joe Flacco this week. He's going to be starting for the Jets. Yeah. I, I was tempted to take that bet as well because another thing I've noticed in these, these games is when you have a new quarterback that first week, they're on fire for some reason, it's a new car. Everyone's excited about it. Everyone's mm-hmm. dialed in. They're focused. Let's help each other out. The yep. team seems to play better that first week. It doesn't carry on for weeks three and four, but that first week with a new quarterback, especially a veteran quarterback like like Joe like Flacco, Flacco is, yeah. I, I
1: like that pick. I love it. I love. It's going to be a great time. Um, Cardinals Seahawks. Cardinals coming off that devastating loss to the Panthers, which only. Uh, hurt me deep, cut me deep. Cam Newton coming back again. New quarterback, shiny new quarterback came out. Everybody supported him, beat the the Cardinals, but it's Cardinals versus the Seahawks. Cardinals are a 2.5 favorite. They're going to cover and they're going to beat the Seahawks. No diggity. All right. And then lastly, I too, Giants and Buccaneers. I think Brady's going to come out and make a statement that there's a lot of talk about losing two in a row and he's, he's lost a step. Brady's going to like come in this. and they're going to cover. They are going to they're going to beat the Giants and they're going to cover it by at least uh 11 points too easy. i am
0: nervous now because we have two picks this week you and i have both taken the games right and we're going opposite each other on those two picks i'm kind of excited now to see how those two play out i'll be watching the oregon game and the bucks giants by the way i do believe the bucks giants is a monday night game so they'll yep. make it they make it a little bit more fun to watch hey come on over i'll make some wings for you uh next monday but all right Perfect. Hey, it's been a great week. I expect the uh, verdict to come down at any minute now. And so we'll probably uh, talk about that a little bit next week. Actually, next week is Thanksgiving. So probably take the week off. Maybe try to squeeze in a quick pick one. I don't know. I don't know. If uh, the verdict
1: comes out, we might need to jump in for a
0: minute. We'll do something really quick next week just to cover the verdict. Yeah. Uh, and then maybe our Thanksgiving games. And then, hey, but if I don't talk to you before Turkey Day, have a great Thanksgiving, and I will see you next podcast.
1: You too, Joel. Thanks so much.
0: Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, Please give us a five-star review. We need your love to help us continue highlighting the funnier side of the law. I want to give a special shout-out to our vice president of operations, Wendy Oster, without whom this entire operation would be a mess. Sean Wynn and 155 Features for making me sound way better than I actually do, Brooke Bolin for spreading the good word about us, and Ryan Kuhn and Paul Kuhn of Triplicity Marketing for our technical and computer support.